Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Conspiracy Farm, where we don't start the conspiracies, we just add the water. And now, your host of the most state-of-the-art, most informed podcast on the interweb, I present to you, Pat Militage and Jeffrey Wilson. Ladies and gentlemen, are you ready for You know what that sound means, ladies and gentlemen. Back in action with you for another installment for the archives. Jeffrey Wilson coming to you from the farm with my partner in crime. He was forged in a cauldron of fire. He is made of steel and brawn. He slays dragons and consumes planets. Former UFC heavyweight, or former champion, Hall of Famer, Pat Milicic. What's up, champ? Actually, all that stuff you said is not true. It's mostly just scar tissue now. Well, we I, I left out the master of tango, so... <laughs> How are you doing this week, Chad? I'm doing good because I have an American flag as my background, and you have O.J. Simpson. He didn't do it, dude. He didn't do it. <laughs> O.J. was framed, yo. Man, this is going to be a good one. I am um, in, in the vein of, of kind of where we've really been gravitating towards here on the show. You know, we've been wanting to have a 5G expert on, and so we threw that out a couple weeks ago. And one of our, you know, one of our original T-shirt purchasers, one farmers, of our, one of our farmers, our original farmer Stephen Watt out of Canada. Shout out to our boy Stefan, that um, and R.I.P. Man, uh, Dylan McKay, dude, Luke Perry, just a heavy, heavy blow today. But we are going to chop it up with an individual breaking it down on geoengineering, weather modification, as well as the 5G. He's an author. He's a researcher. He's a scholar. The guy is a big brain doing doing show prep promise, and he is the proprietor of the website that he's going to give out here in a moment. Jim Lee, how are you, sir? Excellent. Want to fight about it? I don't. <laughs> I don't. Your co-host, on the other hand, I don't want to fight him. No, I don't even. I don't even <laughs> remotely have any interest in fighting anymore. There's no money in it for me. He's done with it. There's just no money. Oh. I mean, I might as well just not fight, right? Jiu-jitsu is a is a is a, a favorite of mine, and I was reading up on you and Brazilian jiu-jitsu. So I assume you're a Hoist Gracie fan. Oh, always been a always been a Hoist Gracie fan. Of course, I mean, I grew up in the American wrestling circles, and of course, spent a lot of years doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu and Russian sambo and many other arts, Muay Thai and karate and boxing and you name it. So, just kind of hodgepodge of everything put together, brother. Very cool. I, I, I practiced martial arts when I was a child, um, and I had the very interesting non-sanctioned uh, fight, uh, me at 180 pounds versus a 420-pound Hawaiian golden gloves Muay Thai boxer. Um, and that worked out well for you, I'm assuming. <laughs> oh, it did. Uh, Sorry, several thumb prints to the underside of the jaw later, and he was tapping out. Nice. Yeah. So, big, big fan of uh, martial arts. That's and, great. Uh, well, I am, I am basically the. If you look at me, I'm the, I'm what's left of the science experiment of mixed martial arts. The it's just leaves <laughs> behind a trail the of scar days. tissue. And um, CTE, you know, that's 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 how we roll, brother. But don't let him fool you. Listen to this show. He's sharp as a whip, and we're going to get into it tonight. And he's going to prove. Oh, I've watched a couple shows already. So I appreciate I, I know it, man. What I'm in for. Absolutely, absolutely. So, I mean, again, man, we, you're you're one of those kind of eclectic thinkers, man. And I really like to, I really like to talk to people like yourself that you're really kind of schooled and really a bunch of different backgrounds, especially in the kind of in the field we want to talk about tonight. Listening to a couple of your videos. 
Um, you know, we're going to talk a little bit again about about Wi-Fi, EMFs, the, the 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 ramifications, if you will, good and bad of 5G, weather modification, geoengineering, Agenda 21, because in my opinion, it all kind of ties together. Um, but, you know, your background, you know the effects of EMFs. You've dealt with it. You've, you've experienced the side effects. Give us your background, if you will, and where you came from and how you know. Uh, yeah, just a little bit of background where you came from, and then we'll get into it. Well, um, I'm, you know, self-taught, I'm just, you know, regular guy. I've got two children, one nine, a daughter who's nine and a daughter who's two. I've been married 19 years. I'm from Sumter, South Carolina, and I'm eternally curious. (laughs) Um, You know, part of what I do is, you know, fate, and the other part is just uh, coincidence, um, you know, I was born in the year of the dragon and apparently dragons control the weather, um, in Chinese <laughs> mythology. Interesting. So it's, uh, yeah, it's just an interesting little connection there. And, um, I've always been fascinated by resonations and, um, <clears throat> how electromagnetics and sonic, um, features affect human health. And that's because I worked in a car stereo shop and, I, from a very early age, realized um, that a 10 hertz, 18-inch Serwin Vega subwoofer um, could, you know, literally knock my voice out or make me feel euphoric or, um, you know, things like that. So I've always been interested in, you know, how resonant um, things affect the human body. So I've gone by the nickname Resonated. R-E-Z-N-8-D for the longest time before finally just telling everybody who my real name is, put my address and all that stuff out there. Um, And, you know, this, you know, originally I was very interested in, um, you know, mind control weapons and, you know, all of that sort of stuff. And I've slowly gravitated more towards talking about geoengineering um, because I see it as one of the greatest threats to humankind um, and weather modification in general, because I realize how few people actually know anything about the subject. Or even if they do, they poo-poo it as if, as if it's not real. But as we're going to get into it, it is, it is quite real. And, you know, again, doing show prep and just kind of understanding what you're talking about in your work <clears throat> It's not like this information is hidden. The history of weather modification goes back to the UN law of Inmod 1978. Why don't you kind of spell that out for people of how, it, not even just before that, you go back to cloud seeding with, um, you know, Charles Hatfield, 1915, being paid by San Diego to make it rain in San Diego. Break down a little bit of the history of the establishment, you know, the established weather modification. Not a conspiracy theory, what's actually gone on. Well, I have a website um, specifically devoted to that, and it's called weathermodificationhistory.com. Um, and what I have on there is basically a timeline from 1800 to present. And, you know, you can basically dig into that uh, where you'll see that I have newspaper articles um, starting as early as. The very first one I have up here is a patent from... Oh, wow, look at him. He's got the... Yeah, 1880. <laughs> um, and you're going on to Producing Rain, 1891. Um, in total, I have 875 newspaper articles. 
that you can scroll through. I mean, that have established is, the existence of weather modification, ladies and gentlemen. This is not yeah. a conspiracy theory. This is well, and back in those days, the late eighteen hundreds, early you know nineteen hundreds, on to um, up until we're starting to realize how a lot of this stuff is being done now, which freaks us out. Um, back then, I would think that the people in the eighteen hundreds, early nineteen hundreds, the farmers, everybody else is like, if you can make it rain, you're yeah, awesome, right. right? But that's not the case, correct? Well, I mean, there, there, there are several different, you know, um, periods of weather modification. And, uh, you know, Dr. James Roger Fleming, he's the preeminent historian of weather modification and, you know, one of my heroes. I actually interviewed him um, last January at the American Meteorological Society's um, 21st Conference on Planned and Inadvertent Weather Modification. It was in Austin, Texas. And... Um, <laughs> You know, basically, you know, he was a good starting point for me, but I've really expanded upon that. And he broke it down into, you know, everything before 1946, it was called pluviculture. So Hatfield, um, you know, and C.W. Post, the guy from Post Serial, um, you know, these were the early rainmakers. They were attempting everything from firing cannons in the sky to, um, you know, electrified sand. Um, you name it, they tried it. So you're saying the post guy who was a part of post serial was somehow yes. related to weather modification? Certainly. <laughs> um, he, he did a bunch of weather modification down in Texas. And you can literally come to our interactive timeline on weathermodificationhistory.com. Click on pluviculture, and you can see right here. Um, are you able to see this on the screen? Yes, yeah, we absolutely, are. absolutely. Okay, so you go to CW Post Serial Czar and Rainmaker. Um, you know that's his actual photo right there, and you can look at um, the articles about it. CW Post um, Rainmaker. Um, this is from Texas Co-op Power, um, and read all the history of you know how he was making it rain in the early 1900s. And again, um, and I hate to overstate this because I mean, and to be redundant, because ladies and gentlemen, you know we hear about conspiracy theory, conspiracy theory. Oh my God, this is another conspiracy theory, and we're going to get into chemtrails later on. But this all kind of ties together what my man just laid out for you, going back to you know the 1800s. Was the precedent being set that they have the ability to modify the weather? Period. The end. I'm sorry. Continue. So it's not a theory. It's not a theory. It is not theoretical. This is cons this is fact. This is conspiracy fact for sure. Um, and the conspiracy is that most people don't know anything about this topic, um, and, and that's that's the most telling part uh, for me is that you know they've been attempting to control the weather since the early 1800s. I mean, we could go back to the Civil War, um, you know, Battle of Antietam, black powder rifles made it rain on the battlefield, um, China before that. Well, really, hold on, I, wait, wait. You're, you're saying you're saying these these methods were implemented during the Civil War? Well, the the effects of um, these types of things have been noted as far back as then, and you know. So the today, massive the massive grouping, the discharge of tons of weapons at one time. Yeah. Uh, dispersed into the, you know the powder and everything else, the burnt you know the gunpowder up into the atmosphere, collect ends up causing it to rain. Is what you're saying? Yeah. So they're what they're called is cloud condensation nuclei or right. CCN by the scientists. So what do you need to make a cloud? You need some dust, 
you need static electricity and you need water. So, um, in the case of the Battle of Antietam, the dust that was provided was black powder, carbon black, carbon yeah. black soot. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the Native American Indians, I'm part Apache Choctaw. Um, they would dance around a fire. The fire provided some of the updraft. They would stomp on dirt. The dirt would be lifted aloft. They rain dances actually made rain or they wouldn't rain dance. Um, so you could really, and plus, you know, there may have been some kind of effect with the drum and the resonant frequencies um, generated by it because it's this repetitive pounding of, you know, you're creating sonic energy. So there, there's a lot there in the past, you know, that, you know, many different methods that were tried and, you know, and may have had limited, you know, success. But at the end of the day, um, we, we graduate from the, you know, try anything under the sun period of pluviculture in 1946 when Vincent Schaefer, Irving Langmire, and Bernard Vonnegut from the General Electric Laboratories invent cloud seeding. And November 13th, goes, 1946, you are correct. There you go, and that's, that's on our timeline as well. Um, and what you'll, what you'll see there is basically um, Vincent Schaefer breathed into a uh, freezer and cloud seeding was born. <laughs> um, it was really that simple. And the interesting part about it is that less than a year later, and I mean 11 months after General Electric scientists invented cloud seeding, they went out and tried to steer a hurricane. And it was called Project Cirrus. So they went out. October 13, 1947, 180 pounds of dry ice dropped by an aircraft. Yeah, and what happened was they actually ended up turning a tropical storm. Um, it changed colors. It changed directions 180 degrees. It slammed into Georgia, uh, killing some people and doing $3 million worth of damage. Savannah, Georgia. And Again, you got you to gotta almost stop and let people marinate on that because you just said they, they seeded a tropical storm. <clears throat> Which wound up hitting the shore of Savannah, Georgia, and killing people. They seeded yeah. a tropical storm gang. And this was, so, like you said, Project Sirius, October 13, 1947. Look it up. Yeah, yeah and, and all of this is available on weathermodificationhistory.com. And if you go to the interactive timeline, it's in chronological order. Um, it's just going to blow your mind. And we're going to get to the NMOD the Act you were talking about initially. So... Basically, they, it was invented in 1946. Less than a year later, the military and, uh, you know, NOAA and um, <clears throat> the General Electric scientists were already screwing with hurricanes. And then we jump forward to the, you know, Vietnam War and Operation Popeye, Motor Pool, Intermediary, Intermediary Compatriot. Um, the, it had several names because each time it got disclosed, they renamed it. But basically, Henry Kissinger and the CIA secretly held, um, were doing weather warfare over Vietnam. They didn't even tell the Secretary of Defense they were doing it. They were using not only silver iodide, like the General Electric Scientist um, agreed to, but they were using lead iodide. 
and this again is Operation Popeye, ladies and gentlemen, in the Vietnam War. Yeah, it's, Operation Popeye. And, and that's the thing um, that, that and what happened was Jack Anderson, um, the hero of the day, uh, one of the greatest reporters to ever live. Um, he initially uh, he was in Lyndon Johnson's office. Uh, where he saw a little note on his desk that said something about weather modification over Laos. And he initially revealed this in the Pentagon Papers. Um, and, you know, if you even go to his Wikipedia page, they'll tell you that the CIA tried to kill Jack Anderson, and it was because of Watergate. But if you really want to get down to the brass tacks... Um, Watergate wasn't nearly as serious as Jack Anderson disclosing what happened with Operation Popeye. Hmm. So it's my firm belief that the CIA tried to kill Jack Anderson because he, you know, ousted, you know, their outed their plan, which led to an international ban on weather warfare called the Prohibition for um, the Convention for the Prohibition <clears throat> of Hostile Environmental Techno um, um, Technology Uses. And they shorted that to NMOD, or the Environmental Modification Convention. It was signed in 1978. Well, this so, was preceded, excuse me, yeah. by the Weather Modification Act of 1972 and then the National <laughs> Weather Modification Act of 1976. Have you been all over my website? I swear to God. You're hey, right. dude, I do my <laughs> show prep, brother. You sure did. So as a result of the disclosures, and it came around 1970, 1971, um, and, and I should probably bring that up on the screen just to share it with everybody at home. Um, but as a, as a result of those disclosures, uh, several things happened. The, the Weather Modification Reporting Act of 1972 um, was the first. And basically it goes like this. You know, uh, Jack Anderson talks to Senator Claiborne Pell. And Claiborne Pell, he has these hearings and there were three of them. I have copies and transcripts of two of them. The third one is still classified to this day. And you got to imagine what the reaction was from the old bald white dudes up in Congress who were going, wait a minute, we can control the weather? <laughs> I mean, that was probably their first initial reaction. Um, just like anybody else who would, you know, today would go, this is all a conspiracy theory. Um you got to be kidding me. Uh, <laughs> so they said, well, maybe we should know when people are modifying the weather over America. So they passed a law that states you have to fill out these forms and submit them to NOAA. And that's, you know, National Oceanic Atmospheric Administration. Yeah. Um, so you have to fill out a form before, during, and after you complete cloud seeding or any other type of weather modification you know, technique in America, in just in America. So clearly it's, it does exist if you have to fill out forms in order to use it, ladies and gentlemen. I can show you the form. Yeah, no, I, yeah. <laughs> um, so here, let me do a little screen sharing real quick. Give me one second. Um, and here we go. So this is the Weather Modification Reporting Act of 1972, and you can see... Here's a, the, the lead up to that. Weather modification activities to be reported to Commerce, NOAA Week. This is 1972. Followed by proposed weather modification reporting <laughs> regulations published. Followed by weather modification activities now must be reported to NOAA. And here's the form you actually fill out. <clears throat> Marinate on that for a second. 
This is not one. There's a form you can use if you're going to use weather modification, it's champ. NOAA Form 17-4, initial report on weather modification activities. And you have to say, sponsor, who's paying for it? Operator, who's doing it? Target area, size of area, location. Sounds like something I should fill out after a can of Hormel chili. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, that's, that's exactly right. So to do that, you would fill out the form right here. You would check other oh, um, for under number of modification days and major purpose. Check other and then type in amount of agent used. Check other. Um, that's so bizarre. Really have so on bizarre. here, you know, the days and everything. What your purpose is, increase precipitation, alleviate hail or fog. Airborne or ground, other, silver um, iodide, carbon iodide. Operation by type, airborne or ground, and type of chemicals you use, silver iodide, carbon dioxide. Urea, is- sodium chloride. I mean, they're literally listing these poisons and toxins that you're – make sure you check this if you're going to be using sodium chloride. Or carbon. Exactly. You're, you're going to spray salt into the sky, which apparently that, salt yeah. is a geoengineering technique um, called marine cr- cloud brightening, where they want to spray sea salt into clouds to make them brighter to cool the planet off. Um, and urea, for those who don't know, that's pee-pee. Yeah. Um, that's <laughs> part, fertilizer. The constellation so, you, Ryan. You're going to spray fertilizer you know, into the atmosphere. And silver iodide, of course. Can't forget that. Yeah, and silver iodide is the most most readily used. Um, CO2, carbon uh, dry ice, is usually used to clear clouds, um, but that's that's just the story there. So, um, you know, then that, that was followed up by the Weather Modification Policy Act of 1976. And this bad boy basically said, hey, you know, um, maybe we should actually write down and it's public law 94490. This is 1976. Um, we need to know everything going on in America today, you know, up to this point, because clearly we have not been doing our oversight and we missed a whole lot of stuff. <laughs> so this got passed as well. And that was followed up by um, an actual report. Now, the report came right after um, NMOD and it was called. <clears throat> Weather modification programs, problems, policy, and potential. And you can see that here. Um, and basically, this is a 700-plus page um, parchment. 784. That, yeah, that literally goes through the entire history of weather modification. Up to that point, every federal dollar ever spent on it and all of that. Okay, again, um, again, you got to stop. Marinate, ladies and gentlemen, in 1978, May of 1978, a 784-page document chronicled the government's use of weather modification up to that point. Not yeah, a conspiracy theory. The government even made a summary report on it. And you can read that report. I have it on my scribd <laughs> um, in, to- in totality, and I have read it. It is 784 pages, and you can scroll through the whole damn thing. Um, and it is an eye-opener, to say the least. Uh, but this is, hmm. this is kind of history repeating itself. Um, so that's where we are today. Uh, so before we go any further, finally, you know, we had the Environmental Modification Convention. This was the Weather Warfare Ban. And I got the text of that right here, but regardless, scroll down to the bottom. This is what it actually looked like, the report. 
hearing before the Committee on Foreign Relations, United States Senate, 95th Congress, uh, Convention on the Prohibition of Military or Any Other Hostile Use of Environmental Modification Techniques, October 3rd, 1978. And that's when they banned weather warfare. Um, How can you prove weather warfare, though? A typhoon hits your opponent, um, a tornado, massive tornado outbreak, you know, any of these things, monsoons that flood a nation, you're not going to prove any of that. That's the a UN, part. That's a part of it. That's that, I mean, part it's, of it's totally improvable. Well, part of Jim's work. It's, it's right. You, these countries, like you can't prove. But it. But it's the perfect weapon to destroy sure. a nation, right? It, it, it's it's such the perfect weapon that Lyndon Johnson said. It lays the predicate and foundation for the development of a weather satellite that will permit man to determine the world's cloud layer. Chemtrails, anyone? Yeah. And ultimately to control the weather. He who wow. controls the weather will control the world. May 27th, 19th. Wow. Yeah, and our general sitting back in recliners going, man, China's getting it, a lot of rain. Yeah, <laughs> well, I mean, Abu Dhabi does that like once a week. They they set up their whatever to make it rain once Harp. a week. Yeah. Now, now we've what, got a fast we're gonna, forward. We're going to ask we, about that. Yeah, we're we eventually, about that. yeah. Two different groups from uh, the United Arab Emirates um, that do the cloud ionization, weathergenerator.net, and climate control global trading LLC. I've got interviews set up with both of their chief scientists. But if you're wondering about Trump's space force, hmm. check this one out from Lyndon Johnson. Control of space means control of the world. From space, the masters of infinity would have the power to control Earth's weather, to cause drought and flood, to change the tides and raise the levels of the sea, to divert the Gulf Stream and change temperate climates to frigid. <laughs> That's wow. what's going on here. It sure it's is cold. So it's cold. March freaking 4th, and it's like 20 below outside right the, now. The vortex has been hammering us all winter. No, I've got to go back to the form that we have to fill, uh, film, fill out if we're going yeah. to do any weather modifications. <laughs> and in there, it talks about silver iodide and a few other chemicals. Now, silver iodide, if I'm not mistaken, we have to tie this into 5G. And for that reason, metals being sprayed into the atmosphere, the microwaves from 5G. I don't it, want to jump to 5G yet because I do have a couple questions. Right, but it. we still have to tie it together yeah. because of that 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 chemical and for some sure. other, other that's metals. Saying, all of this ties together between weather mod, geoengineering, and so 5G. So that's the thing is, you know, it's really important to tie that all together at this point. It comes into view and a little more uh, clarity in terms of Agenda 21, chemical, you know, cloud seeding, the spraying, the chemtrails, the metals being sprayed, and now 5G. That's when it becomes diabolical. So that's how it all has to be tied together, right? Well, I, I, I always have this, uh, this saying, don't blame climate change, blame the climate changers. <laughs> don't hate the player, yeah. hate the game. Yeah, so the climate changers, um, you know, global warming is a myth. It's easily disprovable. It's all based on computer science models. Um, and the role a, of CO2. Yeah, it, it, and, and it's all anthropogenic CO2. But if you really get down to the root of where all this comes from, <clears throat> there's something called the clathrate gun hypothesis. And basically, they took an ice core, which is, you know, you take a pole and you stuff, stuff it into the Antarctic or, you know, the yeah, North we Pole. We talked about ice cores last and, week, core samples. you pull out an ice core and you go, all right, so here's this time and here's today. And right about here, we see dinosaurs. And then right here, we see a lot of dinosaur farts. Methane. You can't make this up. Methane. 
So they saw a lot of CO2 and an increase in methane, and they assumed that that was dinosaur farts. And then right after that, they see a massive increase in methane. And they called that runaway global warming. <laughs> so <laughs> runaway. what they're saying today is that cow farts and you burning CO2 are going to cause methane clathrate or frozen ice methane to vent into the sky, causing runaway global warming, which will kill us. Like not, not just human beings burning CO2, we expel CO2, so it becomes humans are almost part of the problem. You're oh, going to have to start paying said, a tax yeah, to said, talk on your phone. Stop having children. Stop having like children. China. Stop. Stop talking so much. Just stop talking. Stop expelling yeah. this this poisonous. O2 or CO2 or just get rid of all the climate warming believers. This this all ties into the agenda 21, (laughs) I believe. So, okay, before we jump into 5G and Pat, that was almost a perfect segue, but I did and you said... Almost uh, perfect. See how he has to throw the little extra jab in there? No, 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 because it all does tie together and you're absolutely correct. So before I just want to drop a couple like one-liners on you and you kind of explain it before we jump into 5G. Cloud ionizers. How does that play into this? Cloud ionizers are the the latest form of cloud seeding, except they don't use chemicals. They use electricity. So instead of using any one of those in the checkboxes, they use negatively charged ions um, to do weather modification. So like I mentioned earlier, in order to make a cloud, to make it rain, um, three things must occur. You have to have some form of aerosol, which is dust, um, you have to have a static charge and water vapor. So the static charge <clears throat> is what cloud ionizers work on. And instead of adding chemicals to a cloud to try to make it rain, they focus on taking the pollution that's already in the sky and making it stick to the water. The thing is, cloud seeding can not only be used to increase rainfall, it can be used to decrease rainfall. It's called overseeding. So if you put too many chemicals in the sky, basically there's too much dust and not enough water. There has to be an exact perfect match for dust and water for it to grow into a large enough drop to to fall to the ground. If you put too many seeds in a cloud, you can actually shut rain off. The CIA also did this around the same time as Operation Popeye, and it was called Project Nile Blue. And what they were doing was cloud seeding over the Gulf of Mexico to make the rain fall in the ocean before it reached Cuba so they could kill Castro's sugar crops. Wow. Um, today, an Iranian brigadier general accused Israel and other countries around them of cloud theft. Yeah, I saw that. Of stealing their rain. Um, Mahmoud Ahmadinejad um, in 2011 and 2012 said the exact same thing. That they're stealing our rain. It literally hit 156 degrees in Iran. So weather warfare is still a very real potential. And, um, you know, Pat had, had mentioned it. Well, what's, you know, how can you actually catch anybody doing any of this? This is the most important question asked so far. Um, and that's one of my main focuses is, something I call the Environmental Modification Accountability Act. So we have NMOD on the books. Weather warfare is legal. But it, it's pointless without some kind of verification regime. Right. So Or, account, well, yeah, or accountability. Just like, 
when they ban upper atmospheric nuclear explosions with the limited test ban treaty, um, they went and built a sensor network, and it's called the International Monitoring System. It's run by the Comprehensive Test Ban Treaty Organization, <laughs> CTBTO. And they have infrasound recorders and seismic sensors all over the planet. That way, when Kim Jong-un goes and detonates a nuclear bomb underground or in the atmosphere, they can triangulate where it occurred and know that somebody just violated the ban. The problem with weather warfare is there's no way to know if somebody's violating the ban. And that's why I have proposed a two-part solution to weather warfare and just weather modification in general to bring transparency, accountability to the world of weather modification, let alone weather warfare. And it's a very simple process. Up front, everybody worldwide has the same thing as that form you saw. Not just the United States has the Weather Modification Reporting Act of 1972. Worldwide, there will be an international registry of atmospheric experimentation. And you must give prior notice that's on the live website that says, I'm going to screw with the weather at this location. That way, if you cause a tornado or a freaky size hail and you destroy somebody's property, God forbid you kill somebody, your ass can be dragged into court at the very least. <laughs> Secondly, if you do not inform the International Registry of um, Atmospheric Experiments that you were going to do it, then, by you know assumption, we can assume that you're up to no good, nefarious purposes, weather warfare. But that's still pointless if we can't catch them. Right. So part two, trust but verify. Yeah. Build two sensor networks. One run by the government, the universities, and all of the you know guys that are so busy monitoring freaking CO2 that they can actually go and monitor the weather for alterations for weather warfare tactics, um, whether they're chemical or electromagnetic, um, and then simultaneously build a citizen-powered network, which I hope to do, and I call my website ClimateViewer, ClimateViewer.com and ClimateViewer.org. ClimateViewer.org is my map where you can see all this weather stuff in real time. It's live. Um, and I've mapped out all of the ionospheric heaters around the globe, um, cloud seeding projects around the globe. Um, and the purpose of it is to build a climate viewer for your backyard. And what it would do is have a camera pointed at the sky that has a real-time feed you know, that is stored of what your cloud conditions look like. It takes rain samples and analyzes them in real time. So we can see what chemicals are coming down in your rain. It measures electromagnetic um, spectrum from 5G to ELF, ULF, things that can modify the weather. So that way we have a sensor network that's not able to be shut off by the government right. um, when they want to just have their way. You know, we Some have form of have independent accountability. Yeah, because during the Fukushima Daiichi nuclear meltdown, EPA turned the RADnet off, and that's the radiation detection network. So they just shut it off because people were freaking out. They didn't want everybody to panic. 
So if the government has the ability to just shut the network off, once again, right. it's pointless. Yeah. So that's why I propose, you know, a two-part solution. One government, you know, university-powered. Um, of course, they got more dollars than us. They'll be able, they've got the satellites and everything. But to also have ground-based sensors run by the people for the people that are constantly monitoring on a worldwide basis for atmospheric changes. Of course, the scientists will be able to um, benefit from this as well. Um, and it'll help us to be able to catch people in the act of doing things like trying to steer hurricanes, um, things like that. Because when the hurricane finally gets here and we find, you know, tons of, you know, strange chemicals falling in the rainfall, then that might actually turn some heads. But right now, we have a complete lack of evidence problem. Well, and when he says something about steering hurricanes, you know, go back to the beginning of this interview in Project Sirius where they actually seeded a tropical storm October 13, 1947. Um, I mean, it's, it's out there. It's not even a matter of, of if it exists. Right. Way more than just that one with Project Sirius. That was followed up by Project Scud, just like Scud missiles in uh, Iran. And then finally, Project Storm Fury. You jump forward to 2008, and then the Department of Homeland Security Hurricane Modification Workshop, where <laughs> they literally said wow. Katrina was so bad that we want to prevent the next Katrina. So let's get you know scientists together, and the Department of Homeland Security will look into steering hurricanes away from the United States. But miraculously, we went into a 10-year hurricane drought interestingly enough uh, this yeah. is now since this is conspiracy farm i'm gonna throw a conspiracy your way all right so obama comes into office he's a big supporter of the global warming crowd cop 21 climate paris accord um you know department of homeland security bill gates and uh, a couple geo engineers make patents for steering hurricanes. They go to Congress, they have a hearing to get funding for steering hurricanes. And magically, the Department of Homeland Security picks it up and says, let's go with this. And then we go into this 10-year drought of major hurricanes hitting America. And then what happens? First day in office, you know, Trump pulls out of the TPP. Next thing he does, pulls out a COP21. Who modifies the weather? Climate scientists. Who was most pissed off about them pulling out of COP21? Climate scientists. Makes perfect sense. Happened. We got nailed with three major hurricanes. And they all hit southern states, which is typical. But is it a coincidence um, that, you know, for 10 years after the hurricane modification workshop, there were no hurricanes hitting America? No major ones? They all fluffed out? or, uh, you know, bent back out to sea, and then magically Trump comes into office and suddenly we're getting nailed with hurricanes. I mean, when you talk about the pervasive nature of this technology and how it has been weaponized, I mean, we're not crazy talking. You know, that's not a crazy theory right there, bro. That's really not. No. That's really not. I mean, it's it's they've, they've set the precedence that they've used it before. And so I, I'm sorry, I, we're sort of short on time, but I still have some plenty of questions. Um, chemtrails, I mean, obviously they've been... We heard about them, whether it's chem or contrails, laying out what you have laid out about how they've been aerosolizing the atmosphere forever. Talk to me about what you think chemtrails are. So chemtrails is the most complicated topic. Literally, you could do three hours on this and not cover it all. So I'm going to try to give you the, the most <laughs> A condensed, uh, uh, yeah, Cliff Notes version. 
Cliff Note version. There are really three types of chemtrails. There's the chemtrails that everybody talks about, and that's the white clouds coming out of planes. Um, there are chemtrails, which are biological weapons, which are well documented on my website as well, climateviewer.com. Um, and then there are chemtrails from space. And these are used in conjunction with um, things like ionospheric heaters and radars. So chemtrails from space are sounding rockets and satellites that release chemicals into the atmosphere. Okay? They release barium, trimethyl aluminum, lithium, uh, sulfur hexafluoride, which is the most potent greenhouse gas. It's banned, but, you know, whenever you're doing, whenever you're screwing with space weather, F it, I guess. Yeah. Um, cesium and other chemicals. So they release these in the upper atmosphere. They cook them with a microwave. And they do that because, much like when you go in to have your heart checked or something, they will put a tracer into your body because they want to see all of the fine detail that they can't see on the CAT scan or the MRI otherwise. So, similarly, you can't see wind without something in it. Radars cannot see wind. They can't see wind on ground level. They can't see wind in the upper atmosphere. They also cannot see the Van Allen belt or the magnetic field lines of the shape of the ionosphere. So what they do is they dump chemtrails in space in the upper atmosphere in order to be able to see them with radars and then modify them. So that's one type of chemtrail. But the most prevalent type of chemtrail, and I'll do the other one real quick, calmatives, um, biological weapons, these are tasteless, colorless, and invisible. So you're not, you know, the type of chemtrails that most people associate with mind control, like the gay bomb, which is a real thing. Um, look yeah, it help up. me out, bro. Help, what's that? What's that? The gay bomb was a, 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 a it was come up, came up with the U.S. Army Chemical Corps. The idea was to drop um, a chemical on Iraqi troops to make them so enraged in love with their homosexual partner next to them holding a rifle that they were too busy to fight. What is it like lace? Was it like just had DMT, not DMT, but like MDMA in there, like straight ecstasy throughout the, throughout the land. That, that probably is a part of it. They tested it, dug away proven ground. Um, it was, uh, what they won't come out of their foxholes. They're busy going to get their goat on, dude. Going to get their goat on. Man, you just heard a chorus of bass throughout the whole joint. I joke. I joke. At the same time, just remember what happened in, you know, Operation uh, Desert Storm. You got the Republican Guard, the most feared people in the world. What they do? They came up like, hands up, don't shoot. So, um, were they sprayed with the gay bomb? Were they sp um, used? They used um, infrasonic weapons on them. Um, they used sound weapons on them, like babies crying. Um, you would not believe the kind of psychological warfare. They dropped pamphlets, you know, on them. You know, just words are mind control. But we won't get into all that. So anyway, there is chemical weapons um, like Agent Green which is a F-oxysporum. It's a, <clears throat> like a, a fungicide, that basically a fungus that they sprayed on the coca plants, the cocaine plants in Colombia. It was called Plan Colombia. This is recent, like the 80s. And they were spraying this stuff all over Colombia. Well, F-oxysporum ended up showing up in Texas in wheat and in cattle's brains. So wow, that's and in a lot of cokeheads' brains, I'm sure. Yeah, 
I tr- I truly hate cocaine, dude. I just I yeah. just like the way it smells. It's <laughs> <laughs> wrong with oh, you. Yeah. All right, so I've got to I've got to derail this a little bit. <laughs> and Please. you know, we got to get off the gay bomb thing. We got to go straight to the these huge rain machines. Uh one of the one of the hosts of the the uh I forget what the car show is in the UK, but one of the guys was a host for Discovery Channel or whatever, and it's a massive. Literally, it looks like a NASA launching pad. It's literally bigger than that, and it has doghouse rocket. Yeah, Yeah. it's got rockets in it, and it injects the the water into the rockets, and it just shoots out massive clouds, and and it starts to storm. Yeah, that's that's a Stennis Air Force Base. Okay, Um, and basically, that's it's a rocket testing facility. But, um, you know, basically, you know, the, it, it was by the BBC and it was like, right. know, rockets make rain. And it's a pretty famous clip if anybody hasn't seen it already. It's incredible. Um, I, I think I have but, seen that. That is incredible. Yeah. So one of the, you, you know, one of the most common things they say about planes is, well, it's mainly water vapor coming out of planes. Well, the same is true with rockets nowadays. Um, they produce a massive amount of rocket uh, or water vapor, and you can literally see this thing make huge clouds. Um, well, that's not the only thing that makes huge clouds. Um, here, I'll bring this up real quick. Uh, give me one second. I appreciate I you bringing your visuals, bro. This yeah, has really been yeah, helpful. That helps. Yeah. Definitely helps. I, I did, I did um, an article called 10 Technologies to Own the Weather Today, and this is on the front page of uh, weathermodificationhistory.com. But 10 technologies to own the weather today. And if you look right here, and I'll bring it up to full screen, F11, and let's zoom that down just a hair so we get it all on there. And you can see these are the 10 technologies. Um, and right about, where is it? I have a name for that damn thing, and I want to make sure I get it right. Where is it? All right, water. the, the TMS-65. I got the J2X rocket right here, water vapor pollution, uh, wet surface air coolers, smokestacks, cooling towers, TMS-65. This is a, 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 a jet engine that's used by the Russian military to um, like wash biological and chemical agents off of tanks like really quickly. So like all the tanks get in a column and they use a jet engine to, you know, blow the radiation off of them or anthrax or whatever. Um, They also can be used exactly like what you were seeing in that rocket video. Um, They can produce massive amounts of clouds using these types of jet engines mounted on military hardware. Little known fact. Um, It's called the TMS-65. Um, and, you know, I go through the whole list there. Ionospheric heaters, sounding rockets, satellites, lasers, which can be used to steer a lightning bolt, induce rainfall. Um, they've even talked about using lasers to break up the chemtrails that everybody sees uh, to make the ice finer so that it persists longer so that it cools the planet more. Wow. Um, it's really insane how so many, I mean, I kind of have known that weather modification existed. I heard that there were some laws about it, but ladies and gentlemen, we're not only talking about if it does exist, this is so detailed that it, it does detailed and institutionalized and for documented. decades and decades and decades on how different countries are using it. This, I mean, I hate to keep reiterating it, but this is beyond theory. Ladies and gentlemen, weather modification is absolutely real. 
Wow. Well, you, you, you wouldn't believe how, you know, like I've gone through, I've actually got the NOAA reports. So the, um, here, I might as well show you that one too. Um, the, the weather modification reports, the things that you saw earlier, um, where you fill out the form, I actually called NOAA and I got the reports <clears throat> and those are not easy to come by. Um, so what I'm going to do real quick is... What, who did you pose you. as to get yeah, the... I was say, do you have to be like a government body or something to do that? Uh, no, you just have to... It's a Freedom of Information Act. Oh, request. it's a FOIA it's, business. It's a, cool. It used to be on corporateservices.noaa.gov. Um, what the hell is the Sargasso Sea? It's supposed to be the Atlantic Ocean. Yeah, but since I've been doing my work, they've kind of uh, made that website go away and hit it. Um, <laughs> uh, but regardless, these are the actual weather modification reports for 2004. You can see them on the screen here. If I give this a black background, it'll probably show up better. So let's do that. So these and are, these are spots where instances of weather modification is taking yeah, place. These are, these are the actual weather modification reports. So you can click on them and you can see, and I'll blow it up real big. So people at home can see. And this is in what time span? October through December. It says right here, October oh, 2004, okay. 2004, five days, uh, 976 grams of uh, silver iodide, 480 square miles. Uh, uh, the weather modification was done by the Desert Research Institute. Dear it Lord. Was paid for by the state of Nevada. The purpose was snowpack augmentation. Snowpack augmentation, all these mountains you see here, the purpose is to cover the... They cover the mountains in snow during the wintertime. So they run from October to March of each year. All so right? basically the Rocky Mountains is running weather modification to have more snow. Yeah, and what they do is they use these things called ground-based cloud seeders. So I'll show you all of those real quick. Let me bring those up. Bam, bam. Skip over the harps. Whoa. What? Oh, oh, those are forest fires. Yeah, No, these are not forest fires. These are ground-based cloud seeding generators. Those red flame-looking things, that's what they are? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to show you them all real quick. Dude, that's like all over the West Coast. <laughs> so does all that, right. I mean, obviously it baits the question, does that have something to do with the fires that's been going on out there? So, well, not, yes and no, because like I said, if you overseed the sky, you can cause drought conditions. I'm more concerned so, with all of them in the Midwest. That is pretty heavy, isn't so it? Right here. Oh, no, that's the West of us, okay. It's, so it's all, all right. west coast. So what do we have on the east coast? We have torrential floods. We have basketball-sized hail. We have um, all these tornadoes. And since 1946, this stuff has only exploded. So, but that—that's how it works, though. The weather starts there, and then the Earth yeah, rotates. Yeah, the Gulf Stream. The Gulf Stream moisture comes up, meets the weather coming off the Rockies. Well, yeah, we the Earth the rotates the from mid, left the Midwest to, from right to left to right to left, and then whatever weather's modified mod, or modified over on the west, the east just rolls it's right roll into across it across the country yeah. from west to east. Yeah, and this is what a ground-based cloud seeding generator looks like. On the right hand, on the left hand side, you got the fancy version. This is uh, from Wyoming. It's got a solar panel, a burner head, temperature probe, sa satellite communication. It's remotely operated. Um, it's got two big uh, propane tanks, you know, like you'd see near a mobile home at the bottom. Um, if there are the any, I'm sorry side, to interrupt you, Jim, but if there are any farmers out there who are listening to this and are seeing this, if we could possibly have one of those arrive here in Iowa, <laughs> yeah. just show up somehow. It disappeared off a mountain somewhere, and it can show up in the Midwest, and we can do some tests. 
Just with a cloud seeding machine, that would be that would be wonderful. Oh, they've done many tests. Are you uh, saying we want to do the test? Pat wants to yeah, manipulate so this, the weather over here. I want to water Evil. my lawn, brother. <laughs> Yeah. That'd be great. Well, you have your own little cloud machine. That yes. it. It's going to be completely random, dude, because at the end of the day, with you know several million dollars in trying to prove the National Academy of Science is wrong, they did the Wyoming Weather Modification Pilot Program. And what they ended up learning was uh, we can't prove that we did a damn thing. Hmm. Uh, and you know, I have the article right here. It's called Cloud Seeding Gambling with Your Weather. Um, and basically the quote goes like this. I'll scroll down to it. Um, analysis showed that cloud seeding produced a 3% increase in pre precipitation with a 28% probability that this result happened by chance. <laughs> right there. Most scientists and statisticians wouldn't accept that level of uncertainty. So after... 60 freaking years of doing cloud seeding and billions of dollars prove this is what's going to happen yet millions of dollars are spent by individual groups like um sacramento municipal utility district you're paying your water bill and they're modifying the weather and you can see that you know all along california this is down in san diego i mean any one of these these cloud seeding generators are operating every October to March of every year. And, and just so people can who are watching and li uh, not listening or listening and watching, but where can they find this information? Where's this? Um, What's this the website? ClimateViewer.org, um, and it's called ClimateViewer 3D. It's under full screen maps, but you can literally go to the categories. And oh, okay, I, see, I got you. Individual maps. <clears throat> If you were to go to pollution and privacy and then geoengineering and weather modification, you'll see that all of those maps, including my 10 technologies, my environmental modification accountability acts there, and then all of the different ones. So Colorado cloud seeding generators 2019, NOAA reported weather modification activities 2004 through 2012, all right there. And then all of the different generators. Charles Hatfield and the San Diego floods. Yes, I mapped that out too. I love to map. I create these maps. So when, when I said something about, I'm sorry, but San Diego paying uh, Charles Hatfield $10,000, he never got it because the rain that he caused to spread caused like $3 million in damage. So they never paid him. Yeah, which, um, which really brings us to an interesting point. Um, it, it, this is one of my, my favorite stories Um uh, <laughs> all around and it's still to, it's still relevant to this day um let me bring it up real quick. and it's called an ode to pluviculture um what is pluviculture bro you said that another time pluviculture is... was weather modification before cloud seeding was invented so weather modification from 1800 to like 1946 so that was the charles hadfield days um and basically it goes like this and i'd, I'd like to read something to you go for it and then we can do some, uh, uh, you know, 5G. <clears throat> Said Jeremy Jonathan Joseph Jones, the weather is far too dry, so I reckon I'll have to stir my bones and try the effect of concussive tones upon the lazy sky. So Jeremy Jonathan Joseph went away to the nearest town, and there his money was quickly spent for queer contraptions, contraptions all intent to make the rain come down. 
There were cannon and mortars and lots of shells and dynamite by the ton, with a gas balloon and chime of bells and various other mystic spells to overcloud the sun. The day was fair and the sky was bright and never a cloud was seen. When Jeremy Jonathan set alight his biggest fuse and screwed up tight the joints of the rain machine. He fired a shot and barely two when the sky began, began to pale. The third one brought a heavy dew, but at the fourth tornadoes blew with thunder, rain, and hail. It rained all night and another day, and then for a week or more, it flooded the farm in a scandalous way and drowned poor Jeremy, sad to say, who couldn't stop the poor. Oh, Jeremy, Jonathan, Joseph Jones, your farm was fair to see, but now a lake lies over its stones, from whose dark bosom horrific moans are heard noctily. To check the flood you've started, I've heard all efforts were in vain, until the bureau at Washington stirred and stopped the storm with a single word by just predicting rain. And that is where we are to this day. Hatfield, um, you know, he was paid to make weather in L.A. And he was successful. In 1915, then, mind you. Yeah, in, in 1905. Oh, I'm sorry. And then 1915... Um, through 16, about January um, of 16, San Diego paid them to fill the Lake Marina um, Reservoir and or, or said they were going to. But in order to do that, they would have to accept responsibility for all the flood damage. Mm. Yeah, so, so that's what could not quite get paid. Do that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, this is where I said it was part coincidence. As a child, I went to Grateful Dead concerts and, you know, Fish and a band called Widespread Panic. And Widespread Panic has a song called Hatfield. Oh. So, as a child, I heard this song about Hatfield. He made rain for L.A. And, you know, I was so bizarre by the story. That's crazy. I'd never, I've obviously heard of, I mean, I just, yeah, it's that's so crazy. crazy. Listen to the song Hatfield by Widespread Panic. It, it's it's <clears throat> phenomenally good well all right. no absolutely about- and i appreciate you for that because that's uh i mean you know hidden right hidden plain in sight so before we let you slide and this probably could take you know a minute itself but i don't i, I definitely want to talk to you about it before we let you go 5g man i mean yes. all of this all of this is tied together and to my lay men's terms you know 5g you know first g was the first cells 2g was what let us text 3g got us online 4g gives us kind of the speed we use today 5g we're looking at 1000 times more traffic and 10 times more faster than 4g but this is going to this is going to mean body penetrating m- microwaves many 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 more antennas with these these as you call electromagnetic frequencies and we're already inundated by them but 5g is going to take it to another level and then one of your inner uh, one of your other videos you're talking about how they're doing it in space as well talk to me about 5g man and is it along as harmful as everybody says along with the spray along with, with the metals yeah, the geoengineering how the microwave is going to affect the metals in the atmosphere all of that and if this goes into agenda 21 so the the thing about 5G that I want to start with is most people already have 5G in their house, and they don't even know it. The smart smart dryers, smart machines. No, smart, it's no. on your cable modem. Go look. Oh. Um, <laughs> my cable modem has 
and you'll see it, 2G, 5G. They have two different Wi-Fis, um, and one of which is 5G. Most people don't know this. Um, and it's what you'll find is if you get on your regular 2G Wi-Fi, you can reach that thing, you know, far out in your yard because it's a lower frequency. Right. And the 5G may be faster, but you got to be damn near standing on top of the cable modem to get a good signal. So that's because it uses a shorter wavelength. Now, it's faster, but it's a higher frequency. Now, the thing about the human body and frequency is the higher the frequency, actually, in reality, the less it penetrates the body. So they have this thing called the um, active denial system. Have you ever heard of it? Negative. It's, um, it's a military weapon. Okay. It's part of the Joint Non-Lethal Weapons Directorate. So um, what in China just built a copy of it because, you know, they steal all our technology. But regard, regardless, it's called a millimeter wave gun. They also have these things called LRAD. Um, I've heard of those. Yeah, that's the sonic version of it. But yeah. basically, they use those on protesters. That, I've seen that. And the yeah, vibration the that creates the heat. The microwave. microwave. Yeah. Create heat. It puts heat on it, people. Yeah. It uses millimeter waves. Yep. And it doesn't penetrate the skin. So this is the part that most people miss about 5G. That actually, when you go up in frequency, you have less penetration of the body. If you wanted to do mind control on an individual, um, you know, it's more effective to use sonic weapons. And we've seen that in Moscow. We've seen that in Cuba and in China. The embassies. Yeah, they hit, are, they hit on some of our some of our diplomats in yeah. Cuba with it. Correct. Yeah, that's those, those were sonic weapons. Right now, that's different than electromagnetic. Most people don't understand those okay. sorts of things. It's you know kind of complicated for the layperson. But you know they have things like silent subliminal transmission system and voice to skull V2K is what it's called. But these are ways of transmitting thoughts into people's heads. <laughs> um, these are not with 5G. Not a concern with 5G. With 5G. You should be concerned about power density. So the, the thing about electromagnetics and human health is that whenever there's a extreme density of energy, that's when it can damage your DNA. So if you want to be worried about 5G, but you go to a concert inside a building and every asshole in there has a cell phone, you're getting way more Wi-Fi'd really? than you ever will from a 5G tower. Interesting. This is something that nobody considers. And I personally am electrosensitive. I have electrohyperactive sensitivity disorder or whatever. Um, I have Graves' disease. It gave me a thyroid condition. Basically, I ran um, an IT department, five stores. I had a Bluetooth in my ear, a cell phone on this ear, a wide area network Wi-Fi behind me, and four fucking, excuse me, four monitors in front of me. Right. And most so people don't inundated. even know yeah. that blue light for monitors affects your health. Right. So all of the, these electromagnetic spectrums were hitting me at the same time. So I was getting nailed with all this EMF, and I didn't know anything about it till I was sick as a dog, and I developed Graves' disease, wow. which is hyperthyroidism. And I lost like 50 pounds in like four months. Um, 
And I've since, uh, you know, gone to an all wired life. Uh, you know, everything in my house is wired. If you're worried about 5G, and, and I have people call me regularly saying I'm a targeted individual, and I give them the same rundown. Do you have Tar- When you say targeted, what do you, what do you mean you're targeted? Targeted individual. You know, I'm hearing sounds in my head. Or gang stalking um, you know, and stuff. The government's out to get me. Oh. And I, first I ask them why. What makes you so damn important? I have the <laughs> world's only NSA map. You know, I have every NSA facility from the five eyes. Can you get um, that over Stoke to us when you get time? Yeah, when you get a second. Because we, we want to be targeted also. No, negative. <laughs> uh, Pat might. NSA, I do not. Thank you. You, you don't want to try it, homie. No. Um, I was interviewed by an NSA guy on my beach vacation at the pool. Nice. <laughs> um, that was fun. Nope. Um, but anyway, uh, you, you made me lose my point. Inundated. You had your house wired. Uh, people coming yeah, to you yeah, who yeah. are targeted. So, so I ask people that, that claim to be targeted individuals, I say, you know, um, you know, wh- first of all, what makes you so important? Second of all, do you have Wi-Fi in your house? Answer is always yes. Do you cut it off at night? Answer is no. Do you have a cell phone? Yes. Do you keep it by your bedside? Yes. How often are you on it? All the time. <laughs> do you have uh, cordless phones in your house? Yes. Do you microwave your food? Yes. You're an idiot. Um, <laughs> you just so, described me and called me an idiot. Yeah. So you, sir, are an idiot and you're destroying Thank your you. body. So in order for people that don't know this, in he order says to from the in, safety of his induce home. diabetes in rats in labs, they hit them with a Wi-Fi signal. Really? Wow. Okay. Yeah. Wireless. Right. All right. So basically on the, the most simplest level. Your nervous system is an antenna. Okay? It sends and receives signals. Yeah. Okay? So whenever electromagnetic energy pierces the skin, it has a certain resistance level to it. Anybody who's ever worked with car stereos knows that, that, you know, if you touch a cut, you know, that 12 volt will shock you, but generally speaking, it won't. You touch a 220, that's your that's your butt, you know? Yeah. Um, so... You have this insulation around you, but the lower the frequency, the more easily it passes through it. So the higher the frequency, the more resistance is at the skin level. So your in, your antenna system, your nervous system, can pick up electromagnetic radiation from the outside. What does this do? This interrupts hormones in the brain and production of hormones in the brain. It interrupts your sleep cycle. So if you have blue light, coming from your monitors or your cell phone or your television, your big plasma screen you just had to have, and you wonder why you can't go to sleep, it's because you're staring at a blue light. Um, If you have your Wi-Fi on at night, you're you're destroying cell reformation while you sleep. All of these things combined, I call it Wi-Fried. You can read my fact on this at climateviewer.com slash EMF. Um, like em- electromagnetic frequency, and these are the type of lights. EMF. These are the type of lights, the rays that come from your TV and your monitor and all that sort of stuff, that simulates the the same type of lights that come at you know sunup that would wake human beings up. Correct. Yeah. So 
what what you can do um, to combat that is get a blue light filter. Um, the the most common one I, pr- I recommend is called F Lux. F L U X. It's free software. You can get it on your computer, and what it'll do is as the night progresses, um, your screen will turn more red. So you'll look like you're in red hunt for red October, and you're in a submarine, and the screen's all red. And what that'll do is that'll help you go to sleep. They're they're inventing new um, um, televisions that don't use RGB. They use a different form of uh, producing the light images. That's uh, and I, I can't remember. It's like LCYG or something like that. But it produces <clears throat> an exactly similar image to RGB without the blue light damage. So they're actually you know, have recognized this in the scientific fields and health fields, and they're trying to do something about it. There are cities who have replaced all of their, um, you know, street lights with these LED lights and then had lawsuits by individuals claiming massive headaches and everything and then had to spend millions of dollars to go back to incandescent bulbs to take the LED lights out because the blue light was literally driving the entire freaking city crazy. That's interesting. And, you know, the the, the interesting thing about... Interesting thing about televisions, and I just learned this not that long ago, televisions are super inexpensive now, and mm-hmm. almost literally any, anybody can buy a TV. They're, they're just so cheap, but what they are, how they're recouping their money is a lot of the Netflix and the Hulus and all that sort of stuff off those subscriptions, a certain amount of money goes back to the television producers out of those mm-hmm. companies, and so basically the televisions, the way it was put is the televisions are the razor, the old school razor, and we're the razor blades. We're the fillers. Well, a lot of those smart TVs right? are, are are sold with those in them. Hulu, Netflix already yeah, pre installed. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. So, that's, it's, yeah. so it's a kickback system. That yeah. they're using. And they, they've even got certain, certain uh, Samsung was busted with this where they actually have the webcam in the. Um, in the TV itself. Oh yeah. And what it what it was doing was um, actually tracking the number of faces viewing the screen at one time, um, so that they could say, you know, this individual is actually not just watching this Blu-ray DVD. They're charging people to see it because there were thirty-five people watching it at once, um, so that they can or say a pay-per-view, a pay-per-view event of a sporting crazy. event, a big a big fight, whatever. Your TV is watching you, ladies. Yeah, and there was actually a um, there was actually a law that almost got passed called "Big Brother is Watching You," where they would require smart TVs to inform. The user when the cameras were, were active and watching them. <clears throat> okay. But, um, I'm sorry. Back to 5G, I guess, right? Well, yeah, before, I mean, we got to let you slide here in just a couple minutes. So how does this lead to the term I hear all of the time, a technocracy, where, where data is the new oil? Like we're, just what you just said, they're, they're monitoring your face, your facial expressions while you're watching TVs. What, what does this have to do with your voice? How, what does this have to do with the emerging technocracy that we see? So technocracy has its roots in the early 1900s. Um, the technocratic movement was pretty popular in the 30s uh, with up to like 500,000 members. Um, a book that I recommend for everybody is Technocracy Rising, the Trojan Horse of the New World Order. Um, and it's by Patrick Wood. Um, he, has, he runs technocracy.news if you want to check his website out. Um, but basically technocracy is at the root of everything that you hear going on from global warming 
climate change, anything with the word sustainable in it, hmm. anything with the, the new word green deal, the new green deal from uh, OAC. Yeah, new, yeah, the the I said new green deal too on a video I just made. It's actually the Green New Deal. Oh, I'm sorry. Whatever, but it is just the you know Johnny Come Lately newest Green Deal. If you really want to be realistic <laughs> right. about it. Oh my goodness. What's up, baby girl? <laughs> <laughs> I've been broke into by my two-year-old. That's all right. That's, That's all right. Way to show up on the set. <laughs> hot set. Hot set. Please shut my door. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Fam's home. Hey, that's, that's all right, right, buddy. That's that's. But a beautiful yeah, the, the, it's just the, the newest green deal come lately, and really, technocracy is a one-world government controlled by scientists and the scientific method. And their goal is to control all resources and basically achieve what they call the balanced load. I will. And they would have one monetary unit for the entire um, you know, planet, which would be a energy-based unit or maybe carbon unit. The SDR. Um, so, and it would probably be a cryptocurrency, mm. which is why we see this big push for digital currency. Cashless society. Once we have a cashless society and a borderless society, implanted chips everywhere, technocrats can control everything. Judge Dread, baby, so, I tell you, it's going to be Judge Dread. We're going to have mega cities, and then we're going to have the forbidden cursed earth, where cats like you and I are out there camping, trying to live off the land. That's where I'm going, man. I'm telling I'm, I, my wife. Anybody who walks into our camp with a cell phone gets it on <laughs> if the my spot. My wife is listening. <laughs> We are going off the grid. We are going off the grid. We're selling the house, and we're building off the grid. You got to go back and teach your kids how to use a rotary phone. That won't matter much. They have a BAE system has this thing called the laser developed atmospheric lens, where they're taking harp technology to, you know, create lenses out of the ionosphere to spy on. I have tinfoil shingles already prepared. (laughs) They'll be able to see your butthole through that. Um, you know, I mean, there's, there's he said down can... to the bung. Tin yeah. foil yeah. shingles. So, so there is, is there is, there is no, there is no real protecting yourself from the technocracy. Is that what you're saying? You can go out as far as you want into the woods. You're... There, there is a way to protect yourself from it, and it's called Donald Trump. Um, you know, right now, destroying the Trans-Pacific Partnership. That would have sealed the deal on the technocracy like instantaneously. Because the goal of it was to create a supranational union. This is called communitarian law. Communitarian law is the circumvention of you know local law right. uh, for the com- benefit of the community. And some so UN, they, United Nations based stuff. Yeah, United Nations. So the United, well, Donald Trump, he did say something recently about frowning upon 5G. He well, he's, he said it needs to be slowed down. It's got a lot of Chinese technology in it. He knows what's going on with it. He's been... He's been informed of of the five G stuff, and and you know he's well, he actually tweeted that we should put we should kick five G and even six G into overdrive and be the leaders of the technology. Right, so, but he said go straight to six G. Right. Well, is is he trying to slow it down just because China's taking the lead? He doesn't want does Chinese. He, want, he doesn't want Chinese technology. He doesn't mind. He doesn't mind five G and the ubiquitous surveillance constantly. He just wants to be in charge of it. Is that what I we're think, saying? I think it's more that you know Trump's a builder, and you know he doesn't. He's not been briefed on the health ramifications of building very dense networks of microwave emitting transmitters. I don't know, man. Well, I mean, I would the information think isn't out there yet. That's kind of the whole part. We're going to have to wait like 10, 15 years once this apparatus gets set up to be like, oh, this hurts us. The or, thing oh, that, this the, doesn't well, hurt well, us. Well, the thing, that, you know, look, I mean, I'm a layperson when it comes to this technology. 
I have kept my ears open to this sort of thing, and it you know perked my interest, and it worried me a little bit when I listened to a few lectures of experts, scientists saying, "Listen, this is a really really bad idea. This is, is. this is going to fry people." So you can't. You, I, I guess, guys, I would say this to both of you: is you can't say to me as a guy who you know got punched in the head for a living. If I'm aware of this stuff, you know, hey. Donald Trump, who's a you know a, a Wharton School of Business grad and technically you know a genius with 17580 IQ you know this guy's aware of it he right. knows he knows the ramifications of it so i would say you know he's not slowing it down just to be in control of it i would think cuz he doesn't want he doesn't want everybody in america being fried from it either i i you know i'd like to believe that but at the same <laughs> at, at the same time you know, he wears a white hat damn it he is a builder you, you know I like Trump on, on a lot of things. Like there are many, many things, you know, I voted for a human hand grenade. I got what I paid for. Um, <laughs> so, a I, human hand grenade. That's I like really it. all I wanted to see was just, you know, something destroy what is manifesting yeah. in Washington DC. And he is more than, you know, paid in full baby. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, you know, he, he, you know, is talking about, you know, offshore drilling you know right here at myrtle beach you know south carolina um you know he just doesn't give a damn about the environment and you know, he's a business guy and business people the last thing they care about is human health it is you know i mean anybody aaron brockovich for damn sake um yeah. you look at any kind of industry whether it's fracking, whether it's pharmaceuticals, whether it's the wireless, you know, you know, the lobby behind the whole, you know, cell phone thing. It's all about um, the bottom line. You know, I'll give you an example. WLTX Columbia, local, you know, news thing, did a story on a girl who had a cell phone that she kept in her bra all the time. And she got cancer on, you know, her breast. And, you know, there was a direct link there. And they aired that. They put it on their website. It was up for maybe 24 hours before that article and all the footage and everything about it was deleted. Really? And you know why. Yes, of course. Because the cell phone industry does not want people to know this stuff. <laughs> One of the most famous cases, there was this guy who was a lawyer, and he literally got cancer in his hand, you know, from, Jeez. you know, having, using the cell phone so much. So, um... So, I, uh, not to cut you off, because we are just killing it on time. So, is, is it is your professional opinion that 5G is not near as bad as 4G? I, I, From, I think they're equally bad. That's my point. You know, like oh, I thought you were saying with, with lower waves or whatever, it's it's not as penetrated of the, of the skin, the, the, the higher waves. Or I forget, okay, or maybe so the other me, way around. Let me, let me rephrase this. If you live in a big city, which I do not, I have nothing to worry about 5G. If you live in New York City, your ass going to get fried. You already are getting fried. <laughs> yeah, because so, they, they have to have so many 5G towers. I mean, it's literally every yeah. couple buildings, right? Yeah, I mean, they literally are talking about putting them on the light posts, on traffic everywhere. light posts, you know, everywhere. Um, and, you know, trees can literally stop a 5G signal. So they're talking about cutting down trees just so that the signal will travel further. Um, so, you know... It does, it's not going to penetrate, like, if you live in a trailer, it's not even going to penetrate the walls of your trailer, whereas the older style cell phone signals will. Interesting. So the, you know, the higher the frequency, 
um, the less it, you know, the less distance it travels at, you know, uh, a great power density. So they, that's why they have things called MIMO or massively integrated, you know, multiple input, multi- multiple output. Yeah. 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 Mul- yeah thank you. Um, but basically the idea is to create these mesh networks where they overlap. Um, so you never lose coverage at 5g. So you're that's just inundated constantly. Yeah. Is that it requires so many phased array antennas to be put up. And that they have to literally have direct, almost direct line of sight with you. They basically have five, five levels of it. Millimeter waves, small cell, massive MIMOs, the multiple input, multiple output, beam forming. Yeah. And it is complete. It's, it's just complete. Uh, it's crazy. Mapping yeah, of our, our world. Yeah, but you got to think about this. And I'll go back to it every time. Nobody considers the fact that Google is putting Chrome, you know, laptops in five um, fifth graders classrooms. The there's a cell phone tower next to the freaking schoolhouse. There's 16 different Wi-Fi hotspots in the schoolhouse, and there's 32 Wi-Fi laptops in one damn room. Mm. So. Whenever they figured out the the safe density, they, they call it four watts per uh, gram, um, per pound or something like that. Um, you know, it was called the specific absorption rate. Right. Whenever they 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 came up with this four watts for cell phones, it was based on a twenty one year old male soldier's skull. So they don't consider that children's skulls are thinner. They right. don't consider, you know, any more of vulnerable. These and if it was a marine skull, it's impenetrable. <laughs> oh, I'm serious. You know, right? those things are bulletproof. <laughs> so, um, you know, that's that's kind of the point of all this. That you know, even in the in the the book you get in every cell phone, it says, "Do not touch the human skin." You know, keep X amount of inches away from the body. Everybody's got it in their back pocket, frying their ass and their balls. Yeah, my gonads. Um, yeah, I mean seriously. Wow. The first thing, the first thing to absorb um, electromagnetic radiation are the balls, the eyeballs, the testicles, joking, the ovaries, um, the thyroid, um, mostly the liquid, you know, filled vesicles in the body, um, and obviously the brain. So a lot of people wow. for, um, get glioma from cell phone usage. Um, you know, they got the hot ear. If you get a hot ear, that is because that thing is yeah. literally Back to flip ear. phones we go. Yeah. Good thing the contents of the balls have been put on the shelf for the duration of my life. But Jim <laughs> Lee, man, this has been a lot of information. Also, give us a little social networking, your website there. Where can we shout you out? Ladies yes. and gentlemen. Oh, and before, yeah, go ahead. A little social networking. Yes. So I got, I got three websites. Climateviewer.com is my main flagship. It links to all my other websites. It's my blog. Um, you can, you know, donate at patreon.com slash climateviewer. Um, I take monthly donations. Everything I do is for free. It's Creative Commons. You can remix it, put it on your website. I do this because I was a Boy Scout, and I want to, you know, I'm doing this for my daughters who, you know, busted through the door a couple seconds ago. Um, <laughs> Very cool. Yeah, because, you know, if I don't do it, who will? Yeah. And, you know, I, for me, this weather modification stuff is personal. I, you know, don't get enough time to talk about EMF safety or nuclear radiation. I talk about electrosmog and radiation from, you know, any source. So nuclear radiation. He is, he, I mean, you are the Julian Assange of weather yeah, modification. We're definitely going to have to get you back to talk on some of those other things as well. And, you know, thank you to Stephen Watt, man, OG farmer from Canada for, for, linking, us up. for linking us up. And I definitely appreciate it. And I definitely 
Hopefully, next time, I want to talk to you about Iran. You said has an EMP. Woo, the possible ramifications of that, oh, ladies and dude, gentlemen. We could get into shutting the power off all day long because at the end of the day, that's the greatest threat to humankind right now is not yeah. nuclear weapons. How many people starve when the power see. goes out? You can't well, get gas. You can't use your, your, your cards. What do you say, nothing. Jim? Six months the grid goes down? We got six months before people start Two-thirds of a Heritage Foundation said that if, if we had an EMP either by solar flare like the Carrington event or by um, electro high altitude electromagnetic pulse from a nuclear detonation above the United States, that two thirds of Americans would die within six months. And if it happened this winter, we'd all be dead, without if a it, doubt, because it was and, so brutal. So back almost nine years ago, I wrote an article called "Alone in the Dark" on my first blog when I was still resonated. Nobody knew me from a hole in the wall. And I had this dream where an EMP went off, and the problem was that basically we have 440 nuclear reactors worldwide. We have over 100 just in America. If this scenario did occur, we would have 100 simultaneous Fukushimas because (sighs) what would happen? It would fry the circuit yeah. boards in there. They yeah. would not be able to tr- control the cooling in the nuclear reactor. That would be a they would You didn't think about that one, did you, Jeff? Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking about I can't flush my toilet. Or Cordova, I can't Cordova, Illinois, 30 miles up the Mississippi River. The Quad Cities doesn't have any drinking water. Yes, I mean, right? dude, just, just, just the the shut the you know the shutdown of the internet. I mean, you're probably going to have people just go raving freaking nuts. Yeah, that that's alone. just scratching the surface. Um, and then they're going to realize, oh wait, I don't have any food because I've never prepared a day in my life. And then you're literally the the show TV show Revolution. Yes. originally started on this real world premise, and then delved off into aliens and you know right. whatever else you know they could use to get away from the facts. Well, right. China's already hacked our SCADA network. They could shut the power off at any moment. Um, Russia's done the same. Iran's done the same. EMP could do it. Brought to you by uh, survivalfood.com. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Wow, <laughs> Jim that, Lee. He also writes children's books, ladies and gentlemen, so go out and grab them. <laughs> Seriously, man, we have to wind up, but again, thank you so very much. You got me, got back with me in very short order yeah, and was able you, to Jim. put this together. Jim Lee, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you guys have enjoyed this episode. I thank you so, so very much for your time, and thank you again, Stephen Watt. And ladies and gentlemen, you know, we always want to thank you for your time and peace and so much love from the champ, Sir Jeffrey Wilson. Holla.